Thank you for tuning in to Stories from the Market, a program of people sharing the threads that bind us together in the tapestry of life. Stories from the Market is a broadcast companion to the monthly storytelling concert series put on by storyteller Jeanette Waddell and the Milledgeville Allied Arts. In this episode of Stories from the Market, we'll continue hearing stories about a family that occupies a special place in middle Georgia, the Oasis Family Farm. Tonight, we'll start out hearing from a member of the second generation on the Oasis Family Farm. Sean Taylor had grown up and adopted the trappings of a modern adult existence, the job, the mortgage, and the sense that life was just about to happen soon. But somehow, in his own way, he too figured out that something was missing. And like his mother, his sister, and their adult families, he took a chance to find happiness on a 40-acre plot of land in Hancock County. Let's drop back into the storytelling concert recorded live in the Allen's Market in downtown Milledgeville. Tonight on Stories from the Market, it's part two of the Oasis Family Farm, one family making a change. Oh, hello, everyone. Um, my name is Sean Taylor. I'm Candace's youngest son. Um, not that great at, you know, kind of looking at something and, you know, winging a story. So I had to write it down so I could stay on track so y'all could actually understand it. I will speak loud so everybody can hear me, though. Um, my story kind of begins the same way as my sister's. I grew up with uh, two older sisters and an older brother, uh, Jessica, Brandy, and Evan. We raised our own animals to live off of. Anything from rabbits, cows, goats, chickens, and pigs. At one time or another, we had them. I remember at a young age being taught to appreciate everything we have because it takes a lot of work to get it. As a child, we ate from our garden a lot. I enjoyed putting in the work to see the results at harvest time. That's when I could sneak an extra carrot or two without anybody seeing. <laughs> one of my first memories as a child is watching my father bring in a bunch of peanut plants. All of us helped uh, with the cleaning and replanting of the crop. I had never even saw boiled peanuts at this point, and I was very excited to try one. We all four watched for hours as the pot boiled, waiting for eternity, it felt like. After a while, Dad came into the kitchen, and it was go time. He made us all our own bowl, and we all ran to the front porch. Wow, that's a peanut, I thought. Mm-mm, I was hooked. We were all just quiet, eating our peanuts, emptying out our bowls. I think that's why Dad grew them, just so he could have a small few moments of quiet with four wild-hearted kids running around. <laughs> As a kid growing up with less than, you don't really win any popularity contests. Yeah, I had a couple of friends that would come over curiously just to see our home, then later report back to the kids and tell them how poor we were. But that didn't matter to me. We gained in family what we lacked in money. No matter what went on outside our house, our family was all that mattered. You see, my older brother was my best friend and still is to this day. Every day we found something fun to do outside, even if it meant learning a new jump rope game with our sisters. <laughs> and we confided in each other at a very young age. Our parents had taught us that our family bond is so strong it can never be broken, so take care of each other care for each other's and accept them for who they are. And so that's what we did. Friends came and went, but my sisters and brothers and I were still together. Our parents said if one of us falls, we all fall. 
so that way we could all rise up again together. We grew up with this motto our whole lives, family first, then the world. As life went on, we all grew into teenagers. Now we were choosy about who we let into our lives. Our friends were also amazed by the fact that we could go to school, come home, do our chores, get our homework done, and still find time to hang out. I had worked up to this point so far, so long, that it just came natural to us. It mesmerized most of our friends. All they did was come home and play. I know that if you want something in this life, you work hard as you can to get it, and that's what we do. When I turned 13, I earned a job working on lawnmowers, helping at home with as much as I could. After school, I would either go work on engines and equipment, or I'd go play at home. Most of the time, I'd just go cut grass because of the fascination of an engine running that I fixed from scratch. I learned how to fix almost any engine or mechanical device at a very young age. It was an outside skill I could use to help our family and our family friends. From there, it felt like our life was in fast forward. I was in 11th grade, my parents were divorced, and my sisters were living with their husbands. My mom came up to my brother and I and told us we could not afford the place we live in anymore. She said she had found a house 45 minutes away from where we live that was closer to our work. She told us we could stay with our friends and sisters and finish school or take the GED test and come with her. Naturally, my brother and I followed her to keep her safe. I quit school and started working. Man, I thought being an adult was so hard and it sucked. <laughs> but it was also exciting at times. My brother and I would go to work, then leave early to pick our mom up from her job every day. Still, no matter what our life had in store for us, we always came together for the holidays. We never let go of our family bond. Years passed by, and after a while, we all grew up. I was 20, my brother was 22, sister 23, and older sister was 24. I was a single young man with money in my pocket. Weekends went by, and I started to notice I was just killing time waiting for my life to begin. I started thinking, why not have the people I love come visit? I started calling the family members one by one in secret. I asked them to come over for a meal. One by one they showed up in their vehicle, surprised that they were all coming to the same place at one time. I was living with my mom and stepdad at the time. With the money the three of us had, we threw a huge party. We ate like kings. There was grilled steaks, salads of all kinds, chips and dip, corn on the cob and plenty of soda. We had a blast. <laughs> I couldn't get enough time with them, so I threw a cookout every month from then on. We all enjoyed seeing each other so much, getting together just to talk over a glass of water most of the time. At this point in life, we were a huge family. My sister's husbands were my brothers, and my brother's wife was another sister, and I had my beautiful wife by my side. Poor mom. Now she had eight kids with eight different tastes. <laughs> Sometimes she had to cook three different meals just so we could all eat. We weren't picky, we just liked our food a certain way. I met my wife when I was 22. We both knew we were meant to be together right away. We moved into a house 
together as soon as I could find a place. It was a small house in northeast Florida. As we paid our bills and became responsible adults, we wanted to have children. My oldest sister had a son, and my other sister, Brandy, had two girls, and my brother had two girls also. So being an uncle and aunt was really fun, but we really wanted one of our own. We tried and tried for years with no success. Finally, we decided that when the time was right, it would happen. We started wondering if it was the food that we were eating causing us the problem. I remember when I was young, mom and dad bought rabbits. They used them for two different reasons. One was for fertilizer and the other was to eat. My wife and I hopped in the truck and went and bought two rabbits and cage supplies. We picked a sunny spot in our yard. We added the fertilizer and worked the soil. We grew some of the sweetest vegetables on our own. We felt proud we had done that. We were real gardeners. <laughs> uh, you can really taste the difference when you grow your own produce, especially when you work the land naturally and use no artificial or chemical additives. My wife and I started noticing a change in our bodies. We had less weight gain, more energy, and better attitudes. So what you put in your body really does matter. We were excited about this, that this might actually do the trick, but still nothing. We also had to still buy our meats and starches from the store. At this time, there wasn't much we could do. Uh, years went by, and my, and my wife and I just fell into the world of responsibility. We had good jobs and wanted to buy a house. We moved closer to the family so we could have more time with one another. Eight months into our new home, we went over to my sister's house one weekend. At my sister's house, my mom and two sisters were living together, saving all their finances for survival. They asked us if we can talk. Okay, I replied. They told my wife and I they wanted to move to a piece of land that they could farm and sustain themselves on. I was shocked. Really, I thought to myself, we just bought a home for 30 years to live close to you. And now they just want to up and leave with this crazy idea of living off the land and being self-sustaining. I could understand a large garden and some livestock, but just to up and leave everything we had built for just sounded crazy to us. They told us just give it a chance and take a look at the property. They had already been researching places to move and found a 43-acre horse farm that had their eye on. Okay, we said, so we loaded up the truck. And off we were in a six-vehicle convoy on our way to Sparta, Georgia. It was a five-and-a-half-hour drive north of where we lived. When we finally arrived on the 43-acre farm, I was in awe of its beauty. The land had never been touched by any kind of farming. I brought a go-kart with me in the back of my truck and unloaded it. I raced through the waist-high grass, through the pastures, like I was a kid again. No cares, no worries, just us and the land. My wife and I lived on two acres, so this was 20 times bigger than that. There was fence down and trash piles everywhere, but none of it mattered. We could all see the potential of the place. It had a four-acre pond for fishing, which was dry at the time, some wooded areas, lots of barns and stalls, and a large house. Needless to say, we were all excited. On the way home, my wife and I were silent. We didn't say much, if anything at all. We had to look at our life that we created and wonder what we would leave behind. 
our family, our friends, our careers. We told my mom and sisters that we would think about it. Three weeks later, we were at my sister's house again for another cookout. We sat around the living room talking about what we would name the place if we bought it. Everyone had an idea for the place. Some were green acres, wide open fields. None of them sounded right. I thought to myself, it's kind of like an oasis. Yeah, let's call it the oasis, I said. They all shouted, yeah, the oasis. My brother Brian looked up the definition for it. The oasis means it's a fertile spot in the desert where water was found, or a pleasant or peaceful area, or a period in the midst of a difficult, troubled, or hectic time. It's a refuge, a haven, a retreat, a sanctuary. It could even be a shelter, or a harbor, or a sanctum. Everything that we had wished for in our life and home. My mom said, well, let's add more to that. We are a family. Let's call it Oasis Family Farm. And here it is today. My wife and I went home and talked about our life. Can we pay the mortgage for 30 years? Do we really want to be stuck in the same place for that long? Will we have any children? And what would it be like in 30 years? My career was in construction, which was very unpredictable. My wife was a dental assistant, and we just made enough money to pay the bills. Another weekend came around, and yet again, another cookout at my sister's house. That was pretty much our get-together spot. <laughs> our mom and sisters had asked to speak to my brother and me in private. We all sat in our chairs in the front yard. My brother and I worried what they were going to say. My mother and sisters all had tears in their eyes as they told us that they were going to be moving to Sparta, Georgia. My stepdad had came into money, and they were going to buy the property. They asked if we were coming too. We told them, sorry, Mom, Jessica, and Brandy, we just can't go. We had just built a life here, and there's no way we can just up and leave everything we worked so hard for. At this point, my job was doing really well, and we were able to keep our heads above water. So one day, as God would have it in his plans, my wife was going up some stairs, and she slipped. She injured her knee and tore the tendon beside her kneecap. She was in surgery and recovery for three months. She was unable to work. Great, I thought to myself. Now my wife is hurt and all the bills are on me. It was hard enough when both of us had money coming in. Now it's just me. Sometimes I would work almost 60 hours a week and still barely made it. My wife eventually got back on her feet but lost her job as a dental assistant. She found a job that barely paid almost anything. We would come home and complain about how tired we were and how sore we were. Just to scrape by paying the bills of a house that wasn't even worth it. Came home from work one day looking like a zombie. My wife looked at me and said, you know, we're not going to make it here. We only have one option. We need to go with your family to Georgia. God, I was relieved. <laughs> <laughs> Secretly, I wanted to protect and help build the Oasis family farm from the beginning. We called over to my sister's house and told them we were coming with them. It was a huge culture shock at first, coming from a 12-hour day of working to living on a farm, four families and one home, and all learning to live off the land. 
It's a good thing we enjoy each other's company. <laughs> Even our partners are best friends at times. So that did make it a lot easier. We moved up to Sparta, Georgia to make a change in our lives and for the people around us. We purchased heritage pigs, black Angus cows, Cornish chickens, organic and heirloom seeds. We bought things that would, that would serve a purpose. The animals gave us natural fertilizer, a source of milk and protein. We planted several gardens with vegetables and fruit. We all started to feel like we were being led to do more than just for ourselves. We ate up our land and preserved as much as possible. The rest we would take to farmer's markets to spread our natural produce to others. I started to feel a lot better farming and providing for my family on our own land. We could fish any time in our pond, hunt during hunting seasons on the back property, and eat out of our gardens whenever produce was available. My wife and I were still trying to have children at this time. Three years after we moved here to Sparta, because of our diet chains, and our stress-free life of the day-to-day -day bills, my wife, and I felt much, my wife and I felt much healthier. One day I was on my way out to the pasture in the truck when suddenly my wife, Ashley, came out of the house with a big grin on her face. Sometimes that's not a good thing. <laughs> I, <laughs> I parked the truck and she leaned into the window. Guess what, she said. I was like, what? Not even knowing what she was going to say. I'm pregnant. My heart exploded out of my chest. I'm going to be a dad? We both screamed so loud. That was proof that we had made the right decision. Changing our eating habits and living for yourself can almost cure any ailment in your body. Our wishes and prayers had been answered from years of hard work and moving to Sparta to find out who we truly were. You don't really get to see yourself too much when you're stuck behind all the walls of pain and doubt. In this life so far, I've learned to be true to yourself, live with the earth, and produce for yourself and others. Fill your life with love, faith, and always help someone out when you can. So here I am, showing you that a small change in hard work can lead to tremendous rewards. Thank you. just heard Sean Taylor sharing the story, Finding the Oasis. On this edition of Stories from the Market, we're learning about one family that had the courage to question life the way we live it, and who took a chance on the dream of living off the land together on a farm in central Georgia. On this edition of Stories from the Market, we're meeting members of the Oasis family farm, one family making a change. Up next, we welcome back family matriarch Candy Fortney to meditate on her family's journey into the blessed unknown and to share some of the lessons they've learned living life on their own terms at the Oasis Family Farm. Sharing the story, the future of the Oasis, here is Candy Fortney. We're going to uh, finish up with what now? They've been there almost five years. Much of the dream that they started with has already come true. But our dreams don't end. And that's true for the oasis. 
So we will finish with Candy as she shares what next. So one other small thing in this dream that we created when we were talking about our farm because we felt like we had to ask God for every single little teeny tiny thing, not to leave out one thing because in that imagining and in that thinking, right, that God would see some part of it and give us any little bit of this dream, any little bit. And if we forgot one little thing, it might have been the thing that we really needed the most. So when we first started talking, we thought 10 acres, wow, 10 acres, how big is 10 acres? That's a lot. 10 of us, each of us on an acre, and there's still plenty of room for farm animals, right? Farm animals, 12 horses, uh, 15 pigs, 100 chickens. No, 10 acres will not cut it. So then we thought, 20 acres, it's got to be 20 acres. It has to be 20 acres, yeah? 20 acres, because then that way the grandchildren would have a place to live and they could all have their own space and the animals would have more space and we would do fine. Yeah, 20 acres, that'll do it. Nope, 20 acres is not going to cut it. That's going to really be pressing us because what happens to the next generation, there's no place for them and, and we're thinking way far ahead because God has to know that this is something that we plan for others to come. This isn't just for us. This is for everyone, everyone, anyone who is in need, anyone who, who needs us, we have to have room. We must have room. It's 30 acres. Let's go for 40. <laughs> 40 acres. How did we think we were ever going to afford 40 acres? When I tell y'all, we put all of our incomes together. I promise you, it was less than $60,000 a year that we were all, all four families living off of and raising children and trying to do better and trying to make ends meet and having health issues and all those things that go with that and all those bills that are associated. How would that come except for a miracle? The Oasis Family Farm is 43 and three quarters of an acre. Wow. How did that happen? We dreamed it. And so I'm telling you today, anything that you dream, whatever your age, I'm 56. I'm 56, and before I moved up here, I had both my knees replaced. They took out parts of my shoulder. I had a hysterectomy when I wasn't expecting it. I have cataracts. I've had one fixed, and the other one I can't see anything out of. And this eye sees 20 feet away, yet I can create art. I can paint. I can wrap jewelry. I can do things you can't imagine. I have rheumatoid arthritis, yet my fingers are straight. They hurt, but they're straight, which means that I can do anything that I dream. And I dream, y'all, I dream all the time, and my children dream, and I would encourage you to just dream. Anything that you ever thought you wanted, anything you ever thought you needed, dream it. And ask. And, and I promise you, whatever your higher spirit is, whatever it is that calls you, whatever it is that speaks to you, in the low moments, that tender voice, that's your God. That's the one that's going to give you your dreams if you work for them. You can't just lay back and go, oh, I wish I had a million dollars. Well, some people that happens too. I've heard. I've heard. But for us, it really isn't even about the money anymore. What it's about is what can we do? What can we do and what can we give back? Because we feel like we've received everything. I know I have. I'm no longer an empty nester. I am no longer that little girl of shame that was brought into this world from parents that didn't want her. I'm not her. I'm a cherished mother of many. 
of people that live with me every day, whether they're of my blood or whether they've just created more of me and my grandchildren. I'm lucky. I have more than, than most people I know, and I'm so thankful for it, and I want to share what I have. So in the last part of it, I wanted to let y'all know that here we all are today, all of us finding our places in our unit, the one that is the oasis. It is our nature. It is our breath. We choose not only to heal ourselves and our families, but now we choose to help others heal and step out to make changes they want and to find the happiness and joy in their lives. We are not perfect. We still disagree and fuss, but as quickly as it begins, it is over because we love and we love each other with complete trust. We are working for more than just ourselves. For what good is it to create a space for just us? Where will our grandbabies find joy? We say we are in service. I am proud. I am proud of my family, all parts of it. The best way to describe us is in this one word, and in today I would include all of you in it. It's a Hawaiian word, and it was on a beautiful, cute little cartoon, which I live my life a lot of times finding these real sweet things. <laughs> Ohana. Family, no one gets left behind or forgotten. The Oasis was our dream, and it still is. Only it's getting bigger and wider. We've discovered talents and ideas from others looking in on us. Thank you, Jeanette. As well as ourselves, we are artists and craftsmen. We are healers, and we are caretakers of our community, our fellow man, and our Mother Earth. Forget judgments and condemnation. We invite you to come to the Oasis, and when you do, as you come through the gates, forget hate and prejudice, forget fear and shame, release guilt, and allow yourself to heal and come into the light of forgiveness, love, peace, and joy. Come be part of our family, Ohana, on the Oasis Family Farm. Oh, what a wonderful story. So much hope of what life can be. And really, it is an oasis, not just in name only. It is a genuine oasis, the true meaning of the word. Not only have they created that oasis on their 43 point, three quarters of an acre, they brought a bit of that with them here for about an hour and a half. We've genuinely experienced the Oasis. Thank you so much. That was Candy Fortney sharing the story, The Future of the Oasis, what she's learned about sharing a little piece of paradise on the Oasis family farm in Hancock County. Her story was a part of the storytelling concert, The Oasis Family Farm, One Family Making a Change. And that concert was recorded live at the Allen's Market in March 2017. If you enjoyed our program tonight, please consider coming out for our next live event 
which will take place at 2 p.m. Sunday, April 23rd in the Allen's Market in downtown Milledgeville. The next storytelling concert will follow the theme, Finding Wisdom in Unusual Places. Stories from the Market is a co-production of the Milledgeville Allied Arts, storyteller Jeanette Waddell, and WRGC 88.3 FM. Tonight's program was produced for the radio by yours truly, Daniel McDonald, and the host of our live events is storyteller Jeanette Waddell. Thank you for spending a portion of your evening with us here on Stories from the Market. I want you to know that I hope to hear you soon.